Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. What history tells us about drafting a quarterback high in the first round, like really high. Mike Jarecki continues to count down his top 50 draft prospects. We'll spotlight numbers 31 to 40. But first, Bird Gang, should we be worried? It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 413, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, pop, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So this was interesting and something that caused quite the stir among the fan base. A very innocent tweet to promote an upcoming golf tournament. The tweet, quote, one week away, can't wait to see you all soon. Two things, MJ, about the tweet. One, the account from which it originated, and two, the picture attached to the tweet. The account, MJ, the Arians Foundation, an account I follow because, well, I like BA, I like what he and his family are all about. The picture, though, Larry Fitzgerald swinging a golf club. Help me out here, MJ, because you know what everyone did. One plus one equals two, or in this case, Arians plus golf in Tampa equals Fitz signing with the Buccaneers. Well, I'm sure it's more about going there and obviously paying respect to the Arians Foundation. You know, Larry has a lot of respect for BA and, and, and his wife, Christine, and their family. So, I think he was invited. I, I haven't talked to him about this, but um, listen, Larry Fitzgerald is a free agent and, um, you know, we haven't heard anything and I don't know if we're going to hear anything anytime soon. We'll just have to wait and see, wake up one morning and find out. But he is a free agent. And, you know, if you go back to that podcast, the Rippin podcast that he was on, the one thing that sticks out when I w- went back and listened to it, is this how when he started, you know, seeing some of these other guys uh, like Tom Brady and he mentioned Sue, um, where they've changed teams and they got a chance to to win a championship? And he said you could just see how excited they were. So, I think that's the only thing missing in his career. Um, I still think that you know the Cardinals are an option if he decides to retire. But you know, I don't want to speculate or guess. But I, I just don't think right now. Um, we're going to hear anything because at this point he's got to figure out that a does he want to play football b does he looking at possibly going to play somewhere else which would be a little bit of surprise but again he sees around the league and let's be honest you look at a lot of good players they never played for one uniform it would be uh you know something that you know i probably didn't predict but at the same time though if he's chasing a ring or he feels and we talked about this a couple weeks ago it's not a guarantee um where you go. I mean, injuries here, injuries there, new teams make the playoffs. So again, I, I think he's got to decide a, does he want to play and B if he does want to play, is it in Arizona or somewhere else, or he decides that he's going to retire. I'm going to go with what I've said from the get go. It's either the Cardinals or no other team. That's just my belief. I'm sure Others will have different feelings. I've been wrong before. I never would have expected, uh, you know, uh, an Emmett Smith playing for anyone else but the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, more recently, I never anticipated Tom Brady leaving the Patriots. That's the one big one that comes to mind. And then locally here in Arizona, the closest Larry Fitzgerald comparison that we have in the state is Shane Doan and the Coyotes. Those two are attached at the hip. Now the Coyotes wanted to go in a different direction and Doan wasn't ready to go to another team. That's not the case here. I do believe that if Fitz wants to play, the Cardinals will make it work. If he doesn't want to play, then that's a different story and the Cardinals go in a different direction. I just find it hard to believe and I can't picture. It's going to be one thing to see Patrick Peterson in a different colored uniform. It's a whole nother picture with Larry Fitzgerald, number 11, in a color or in a uniform that does not say Cardinals on it. There's no doubt about it. And again, I just, I think people are just, you know, what is he waiting for? Well, this is a major decision in his career. I mean, we look at the previous couple of years, we've heard that he he's going to return, whether it was in early January, February, uh, when Steve Wilkes was on the uh, Newsmaker Week. 
But at this point in time, I mean, when you make this decision, you got to make it for what's what's ahead of you. And I'm sure he's ready for his second career, but is he ready right now? And here we are in April, the middle of April. The season doesn't begin until September. We've seen players in the past sign in July and August and keep playing. And I think, you know, we might, to your point, MJ, be waiting a little bit, maybe a long bit. But again, I think I'll speak for a lot of people that uh, let's hope that Larry Fitzgerald plays nowhere else but here in Arizona. All right. Let's move on and let's kind of settle down the bird gang here on this edition of Cardinals Covered 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Something we started late last week, MJ's top 50 draft prospects. If you missed prospects 41 to 50, I invite you to go back into the archives, either subscribe or go to azcardinals.com slash podcast. It was a lot of fun. And for me specifically, MJ, as I said, you do all the homework, you watch the film, and then I kind of do, you know, a deep dive on my own reading and getting as much information as I can. And it's very informative because we're talking about players that we don't typically discuss because everyone focuses on the first round, wherever the Cardinals might pick. In this case, this year, it's number 16. So we're looking at players in that number 16 range Going top 50, that includes the Cardinals' second round selection at number 49. So this, I think we're still in that range potentially for the Cardinals at number 49 as we dive into prospects 31 to 40. Maybe if the Cardinals opt to trade down into the 20s, there would be some names that we're going to discuss here that would be in the mix for that. So let's start at number 40. Mike Jarecki's top 50 draft prospects are second batch of players and checking in at number 40, a defensive end out of Penn State, Jason Owe. First team, all Big Ten selection. The issue, though, that I keep reading and hearing MJ here is he had no sacks last season, yet still was able to become a first team all-conference performer. But that statistic, zero in the sack column, I think has some people concerned about what you do with him as far as a defensive end or an outside linebacker. Redshirt sophomore, so he's he's obviously not a guy that's spent a whole lot of time. Um, you know, 6'5", 257. His arms are 35 and a half. His hands are about 925. Uh, he recorded 36 tackle, 38 tackles, 6.5 for loss. But yeah, I mean that that's something that's glaring now. Um, is he a guy that plays with his hand in the dirt? Um, is he a guy that can rush off the edge with 257? You would think he's he's very versatile. Um, the comp from Lance Zerline is Bud Dupree. His strengths are shred, shredding uh, athletic build with a tapered waist, meaning he's got a good sized body. He's not going to lose at the point of attack. He added 30 pounds to his frame since arriving at Penn State. Weight room strengths translates to the tape. Um, can attack the corner in a big hurry as a rusher. Um, this, he's still raw and lacking desire starting experience, slow reaction time off the snap, can put him behind, uh, lacks feel and experience to decipher a running block scheme. So, um, you know, this is a guy you take a flyer on. I'm not saying he's a first round pick. And one of the things we're trying to accomplish here is we spend so much time on the first round, at least mocks are, you know, if the Cardinals move down, um, we're, you're, you're gonna hear that their name. Uh, and then because they're picking 49th overall, we don't know which positions are going to go. So that's it's one of the things where they not become household names, but when you start looking at the sep- second and third round, some of these guys could slip. And if the Cardinals can somehow get another pick, maybe we're talking about a guy in the third round. But right now it's the top uh, 50 players. All right, let's continue. We stay on the defensive end or the defensive side of the ball at number 39, Cornerback out of Florida State, Asante Samuel, who is kind of the, I wouldn't say the unknown, but he is the other cornerback that gets talked about. Maybe on the outside looking in, everyone knows the top three. And here comes Samuel, who this month has gone on record believing that he is, quote, a dominant corner and can be that number one guy on the outside despite his limited stature, but someone that is making a lot of noise in his belief that he can be successful at the next level. Well, don't forget about his father, uh, Asante Samuel, who, who played for the Patriots. Um, I go back to that game. If he would have had that pick, I don't know if the Giants would have beat him anyways. 
Um, I think when we look at the corners coming out, you, you know, you, you look at J.C. Horn, you look at a, a guy like Greg Newsom, Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertain. Um, he just doesn't have the size of some of those guys. He's 5'10", 180. His arms are 30. His hands are 8.8. Um, he's well built above the uh, average lower body strength, controls footwork and backpedal, uh, quick on his, on his feet, good balance, and I think that comes from his father. Um, NFL comparisons, Mackenzie Alexander, um, you start looking at him, he, he plays with good technique and he's not afraid to hit. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Malcolm Butler from a standpoint, he's willing to come up and support. But, you know, you start looking at some of these other corners in this, this year that we got guys six feet, six one, tall, lanky, longer arms. But, you know, initially I thought maybe he'd be the, you know, one of the top three corners, but I don't think that's the case now. I think Greg Newsom. Um, from North Northwestern may have passed him a little bit. And then you throw in the Caleb Farley, according to everything, all of our medical reports look fine, but there are going to be teams that will not put a first round grade on him. And if he happens to slide to the second or third round and you can pass it with uh, your medical staff. Um, but I don't know if Farley is, is going to be in the mix just based on, and I know it's been cleared and all that, but there's, and he's supposed to be ready for camp. And when you're looking at a four or five year project, but um, that may help Samuel a little bit, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, Farley has said that he is fine and it was an outpatient procedure, but anytime you attach the word back to any other word that comes with surgery, then all of a sudden it raises a lot of red flags. And in this day and age, when you might not have the opportunity to get your hands, so to speak, on these prospects because we're still in a pandemic and COVID-19 and there was no scouting combine. Yes, there are still medical reports, but you do, might not have that opportunity like you've had in years past. So something to pay attention to. Again, we're talking about still great players, but when you have a first round pick at number 16, you have to make real sure about the player and that's why Farley may or may not be for some player or so for some teams as far as where you might be picking and more apt to take a chance on him later on i.e with the pick number 49 that the Cardinals have and it could be a team that has multiple first round picks because if you if your medical staff is giving you a, the thumbs up that means he's draftable maybe not in the first round but you also want that fifth year option so we'll see but uh, when you pop in the film, I think he's a very talented player. It's just unfortunate that, you know, he, and they had 150 guys go to India. I was going to say go back to India for rechecks. And so teams will get those reports. And then if teams, the thing is, you just can't bring them in and work them out. And that's the difference where in previous years you were able to go to, you know, you can have a private workout when they went to see Kyler Murray. They, they, you can't do that right now. So you can base it on their, and Dr. Watkins, He's, a, he's one of the renowned specialists when it comes to these kind of surgery. Every player goes there regardless of sport. So it's not like, um, you know, he's just getting it done. And, um, but Dr. Watkins, he is he's the best, just like David, uh, Dr. Andrews, when it comes to microfractures and knee injuries. So these guys got are well-known and their agents send there for a reason because he's going to give you a true report. Again, he thinks he's going to be ready. We'll just have to wait and see. So defensive players come in at number 40 and number 39 as we move down the list. A run of wide receivers. We've got four wide receivers here in this second group, 31 to 40. And the first of those wide receivers at number 38, Terrence Marshall Jr., wide receiver out of LSU. He's the other wide receiver out of LSU. Everyone knows about Jamar Chase, but here is Marshall who averaged 100 plus receiving yards in seven games before opting out of the rest of the 2020 season. Someone that I think has great size, MJ, 6'3", 200. Everyone talks about Chase. Well, Marshall Jr. might be someone to keep an eye on. He was a top receiver prospect in the country, despite suffering a dislocated ankle and fractured leg during his season, uh, senior year at Parkway High School in Louisiana. But you look at his numbers, he, he only missed three games. And uh, you start looking at it as a, as a sophomore. He had a major role when they were national champs, catching 46 passes, 671 yards, averaging 4.6, 14.6 a catch. And he also had 13 scores. So between Marshall, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, I mean, you're talking about, you know, 
guys that I think Justin Jefferson proved that he was worthy of taking where they were, probably a little bit higher. And then we know how I feel about Jamar Chase. So um, he may not have the, you know, the measurables to wear, but I like the frame. And I do think it, it, the comparison from Lance Zerline is Josh Dotson. Big, fast, talented. Marshall has the ingredients to become a solid starter in the league, but has some questions to answer. With the departure of Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase opting out, more targets and more shadow coverage ended up coming his way until he opted out at the end of November. So he did opt out eventually. This has become a discussion point with the ride receivers because a year ago it was very top heavy, yet the name that you just mentioned, Justin Jefferson, was the number one wide receiver at the end of last season as far as the production on the field. What are we talking about this draft class? Once again, very top heavy as far as wide receivers and very deep. Could you get the next Justin Jefferson in round two or round three? And I think, MJ, people are pointing to Terrence Marshall Jr. because of, one, his size, two, his productivity. It's just he got overshadowed by his teammate. There's no no doubt about it. Now, some of the things that they think he needs to work on uh, appear to have lack of focus and intensity in some of the games in 2020, eventually opted out. Excellent time speed, but doesn't always play fast. Two... um, Fails to crack up the quality route, fakes to tilt corners off balance. He's got to work on his his um, wide receiver coaching tree, or in this case, catching tree. So, again, you're getting a young guy. He's got all the physical attributes. He was sitting behind two guys that, you know, you can will be first-round picks. I think Chase is going to come off the board really early, um, and then we'll see here. But I think you're going to see wide receivers and corners this year I believe both of those positions are very deep, and it's not surprising because teams are going three, five, three, and four wide. Your slot corner has it probably has just a role as your number two corner now, and teams just want to line up and spread you out. And it started in high school, it's gone in college, and not not playing so much ten personnel, but just lining up three or three wide receivers, and you're looking for matchups. So, um, but I do think it's a deep draft for corner and wide receiver, and I don't think it's a surprise. And is that depth? enough for teams to look at maybe who they have as their top three at those positions and say, you know what, those are first round picks, but we like numbers four and five, maybe just as much. All right, let's see if we can't get them in the second round. Now you got to be true to your board. I understand that, but there is a school of thought that, you know, there is an expectation placed on these players when you are a first round selection, not so much, day two, day three, and maybe the transition's a little bit easier. But to your point, as far as the depth, could you find maybe a better player as far as ready now, ready sooner than perhaps, not a reach, but going for the quote-unquote big names, if you will, at wide receiver and corner? Yeah, the one thing when you look at Marshall, he almost played on no special teams experience. So that's going to have to change if he's going to be dressed on game day because clearly he's not going to be the one, two, or three top receiver. So that's something that if you want to make the roster, just ask a guy like Trent Sherfield. You know, I think Christian Kirk obviously inserted himself as a wide receiver, but also he was active on game day because he had some return skills. So again, that's something that he didn't do a whole lot of, and I'm sure he'll be running a lot of uh, special teams just to make sure he's and he could be a guy if he's a second or third round pick he's going to be on the roster so it's just a matter of you know how does he fit and how long does it take him um, to learn the nfl offenses we continue to count down mj's top 50 draft prospects it is our second installment we did numbers 41 to 50 late last week this week we are covering two different prospects groupings 31 to 40 and 21 to 30 but right now we're in the midst of counting down from 40 to 31 and let's get to number 37 carlos basham jr defensive end out of wake forest not great numbers only played six games this past season five sacks as opposed to 10 a year ago in 2019 but he had a good week at the senior bowl and i think that has put his stock back up to where people are focused on his 2019 and saying, yes, this is what we anticipate him doing at the next level. His nickname is Boogie. He comes from a fondness of dancing as a youth. He managed to dance around offensive linemen during his time and high school. Now, 
He's 6'3", 281. It looks like he put some weight on a little bit, maybe. But the thing is, though, he started seven games, as you pointed out, leading the squad with five sacks, 28 tackles overall, five, despite missing time to recover from COVID. He opted out of his team's bowl game to prepare for the draft. The comparison is Marlon Davidson. He's a three-year starter defensive end with a burly frame, heavy hands, and ability to take on physical rigors of the NFL. His rush attack is more technical and explosive using his hands. Again, he does lack suddenness and edge uh, speed. So uh, I, I do think, uh, you know, you look at a guy that size, 6'3", 281, you know, redshirt senior. He's from Virginia. He went to Wake Forest. But the fact that he got COVID and he opted out for the uh, bowl game. All right, let's continue here at number 36. And this is where we get the run of wide receivers. We already talked about Terrace Marshall out of LSU. Well, now we're going with another wide receiver, Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan, 5'9", not great size, slot receiver. But here's the thing. He ran a 4'3'8 at his pro day, and he was the MAC Special Teams Player of the Year as far as kickoff returns were concerned. So something to pay attention to. If you can't make the top four, top five at wide receiver in year one, well, let's see how you contribute on special teams. Yeah, he's uh, he, he actually was accepted an invitation to the Senior Bowl. You mentioned 5'9", 190. He's got, you know, hands are 8'6". So he's one of those guys that, that obviously – can also return. You look at his, he led the FBS in 213 all-purpose yards per, per game um, between running, uh, kickoff, and uh, also when it comes to receiving yards. So the fact that he he's now, I'm glad you mentioned that about his speed because the comp is Jacoby Ford. Remember Jacoby Ford, he played for the Raiders, a guy that definitely was a speed guy. He also has to play on teams. He's not a great route runner. Struggles with contested catches, lacks desired size, but can really fly and has home run potential from anywhere on the field. He is an inline route runner with good tempo while working down the field. Now, he averaged 21.8 yards per catch over his last 74 catches. He was a high school sprint and long jump champion. He scored touchdowns from 72 yards, 76, and 85 last year. Yeah, that's impressive. And where the speed comes into play because once he makes that catch can you get him can you track him down and the answer more times than not was no all right let's review the last five draft picks this is 40 to 36 the draft prospects if you will defensive end Jason Owe cornerback Asante Samuel wide receiver Terrence Marshall defensive end Carlos Basham and wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge as we count it down to 31 here on this episode of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals and in at number 35 another wide receiver Kadarius Tony out of Florida a little bit bigger than Eskridge, 5'11", and just as fast. Ran a 4'3", 9'40", at his pro day. First team selection out of the SEC. So once again, the productivity and doing so at a Power 5 conference. Yeah, he was a former high school quarterback. Um, you know, in 2018, he was suspended for the first game because he wasn't living up to the Gator standard. He suited up 12 games that year as a Rose overall, but he's also a guy that can return kicks and punts. Um, 5'11", 189. His comparison is Harry Douglas, according to Land Zerline. Um, I know the Cardinals have sent some scouts on the road, and I noticed that one of the times that during the Florida workout, there was a Cardinal representative there. Again, you can have X amount of scouts show up for these workouts uh, per team. Um, slot talent who completes bigger than his, his listed size. He has battled injuries, which helped cap his production until 2020. Again, only one season of high-level production, and uh, route speed looks turned down at times. So it's, it's a work in progress, but he's got the physical attributes to give you a return game, and um, I think he's definitely a second-round guy or a second-day guy. It was interesting on Tony because, as we again, we talk about all the different mock drafts, but Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network analytics expert, had listed the top wide receivers and their best team fits based off of the analytics and checking in in that top five were the combination of Kadarius Tony and the Cardinals and slot receiver yes but the third fastest player in the SEC with the ball in his hands used as she wrote used a lot in the run game 
which would be interesting though. Maybe you've got a dual threat here as far as out of the backfield and in the slot. Forced 20 missed tackles, fifth most last year per the foot, pro football focus. And then after the catch, 477 yards, which was forced best in the SEC. Another mock draft, and this was analytics based. So, and she looks at it differently. It's it's a fascinating look at how she looks at the game. And we're getting more and more into the analytics talk, but I thought it was interesting. Best team fits for top wide receivers, Cardinals and Kadarius Tony. Now he opted out of the Gators bowl game and accepted an invitation to the senior bowl. So clearly the Cardinals had their 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 some of their um, scouts and could have been a couple of position coaches there. Um, but again, the Cardinals need a returner. They need somebody. If Chase Evans is going to be your, your, your featured back or if they share carries um, with a one-two punch, you know, Christian Kirk, he's had some injuries. He dealt with COVID last year. Do you, do, I mean, he, he, does he still get a chance to return punts? But you look at Jason, uh, Jalen Waddell and you look at Tony here, they, they bring you a lot more um, um, versatility. Not only can they play on special teams, but they can return the return game. And that's something I think the Cardinals have been missing the last couple of years. I'm sure, you know, they got to decide who the fourth and fifth receiver are, the fourth and fifth corner, who's going to be on the field. But um, when I look at Waddle and, and Tony here, I mean, these guys can day one come in here and be your punt return and kick return. And we haven't really seen that. I mean, they, they've tried different guys, but I think that's an area where they would like to improve. Now, you're not going to draft a guy just for that, but the fact that they can do more um, position flexibility, I think it will go a long way. And that's where the Cardinals were hoping Andy Isabella would be able to contribute more so, and it just hasn't worked, especially in the return game. All right, we talked about the run of wide receivers. Kadarius Tony checking in at number 35, another wide out at number 34. Nico Collins out of Michigan, unlike Tony and Eskridge, a much bigger wide out, 6'4", 215, but still fast. 4-4-3 speed at his pro day. The one question mark, though, is he opted out this past season, so there's no tape on what he did on the field in 2020. He did accept an invitation to the Senior Bowl. I agree with you. His arms are, his arms are 34 um, and a quarter. His hands are 9-3. This is interesting. And now when we say comps, I always think I want to use the word traits because we're not saying that, that this guy's going to be the same player, but they have the same traits. And this guy, uh, when I mentioned his name, according to Lance Zerline, the comp is Nikhil Harry. Okay, but physical traits, what they're traits. capable Six, four, of doing. Yeah. 215, the arms. You know, we listen, Nikhil Harry had an outstanding college career. Um, we know he put up numbers. You know, he was named Michigan's Offensive Player of the Year in 2019. He led the Big Ten in average per catch at 19.7. He opted out, as you point out, but he did go to the Senior Bowl. Uh, he was invited to the Senior Bowl. He possesses quality speed for such a big target. And I think we could say that about Nikhil Harry. Again, hopefully he can get his career turned around. I, I liked what he did in college, but that's the comp, Nico Collins. And I think it's because of the size. And again, they're not saying they're going to be the same player. They say they have the same traits. All right, so three straight wide receivers we have discussed. Let's go back now to the defensive side and checking in at number 33. Again, this is our countdown. Top 50 draft prospects as determined by Mike Jarecki. At number 33, a free safety out of Central Florida, Richie Grant, three-time first-team all-conference. He's got good size for a safety, MJ, six foot, 194 pounds. Yeah, and he's got good arms. I mean, and, and this, you know, you're not going to see a lot of safeties get drafted in the first round. So I, I, I would think Richie Grant, and he really found himself on NFL scouts' radar as a sophomore when he tied the third in the FBS with six interceptions. He was first team All American Conference that year, including led UCF in 109 tackles. So you look at it, he was a, he was a named finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Um, as the, one of the top defense, he invite he, he uh, was accepted an invitation to the Senior Bowl. So another guy that can do a couple different things, but you know his 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 comp is Tedrick Thompson. Grant offers versatility to play deep or down safety and has decent man cover skills against tight ends. He is best at a high safety where he has an overview of the entire field. He can use his key on quarterbacks when it comes to ball hawking. So. I do think he's going to be a second-day pick, and just because you're not going to see a lot of um, safeties drafted early in the first round, or at least in general, 
Um, but I think he's shown it over a period of time. And the fact that he was on scouts radar as a sophomore, now he's a redshirt senior, so he's put his time in. Two other comps just for Cardinal perspectives and based off what he did in college, Tyron Matthew and Buda Baker, just because in reading about Grant, he's all over the field. I mean, he's playing deep safety. He's playing close to the line of scrimmage. He's playing in the box. He's covering slot receivers. So one of those players, as you said, can do a little bit of everything. And we love the versatility. And as we know with Isaiah Simmons, you got to be able to do a lot of different things in this day and age because defenses are asked to do a lot, given the offenses that they're asked to cover, that you can't pigeonhole guys anymore. It's becoming more and more rare in which you're only asked to do one thing. But based off my reading, Richie Grant, quote, plays all over the field, which for Cardinal fans, that's Buda Baker, that's Tyron Matthews. Yeah, he had 10 interceptions in his last 34 games, five career fumble force fumbles. Now, according to Lance Zerline, this is interesting. As a veteran of that safety, he needed to do a better job of making everyone on was on the same page. There were so many busts from game to game out of that unit. But I like his ball talent, his overall field toughness. He'll have a spot in the NFL. Very good player as far as what you're asking for a safety so keep that name in mind especially on day two all right getting close to the end here at number 32 the first offensive lineman in this 10 draft prospect grouping that we're talking about here on this edition of cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals jackson carmen out of clemson 6'6, 335 and all you really need to know is if you like trevor lawrence then you can thank jackson carmen because he was lawrence's blindside protector he kept arguably or not arguably the presumptive number one overall pick in this year's draft trevor lawrence he kept him upright and that is certainly important when you're looking for an offensive tackle. Yeah, six five three seventeen. Now, um, you know he was a finalist for both the Anthony Munoz National Offensive Player Year Award by the USA Today. You're right; they came in there and he started playing left tackle. Um, you know, he had all ACC honors for his play, garnered third team there. Um, the thing is, uh, they're also saying Carmen may have the off, uh, to offer emergency tackle value at the next level, but better suited possibly inside, regardless of the position, he needs to improve his placement and sustain his hands to help and stay connected, stay connected against the blocker. So again, that, that that's a big guy to go inside, but the fact is that he has left tackle experience. Some teams may look at him as a right tackle, but he is listed as an offensive tackle and an offensive guard um, from Clemson. It's kind of like Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. Yeah. Many people peg him as a guard, but there's a segment out there of scouts that do think he could play tackle as well. I guess it's, you know, what you're looking for and then where do you believe a player like that fits regardless of size? Yes, I understand when you're 6'6", 300 plus pounds, it's a little different to see someone that size playing inside as opposed to outside, but wherever you're going to play your best, and fit the best along that offensive line. All right, the last player here, it's a running back, Travis Etienne out of Clemson. So if you're talking about, you know, your top 32, that's the first round, we're having our first running back in the first round, only one running back off the board in the first round, but Etienne has done everything. He's the ACC's all-time career rushing, rushing touchdown, total touchdown, and yards from scrimmage leader, a two-time consensus All-American. If you like Travis Etienne, there's a lot to like. You give Travis Etienne a lot of credit. He went back for his senior year. He could have come out and, you know, running backs. I mean, he rushed nearly for 5,400 yards in his final two seasons in high school, as you pointed up. ACC career mark, almost 5,000 yards, uh, 5'10", 215. Um, you know, I'm curious to see what he weighed during the season and what he was as his pro day because the Cardinals, you know, they want somebody that's going to be like 218, 220 pounds to, to complement a guy like Chase Edmonds. But, you know, a guy can do a lot of different things. The funny thing is we haven't heard this name in, in a while, and I would sign up for it. The comp, Garrison Hurst. Okay, that certainly would work. Garrison Hurst obviously played with the Arizona Cardinals, but uh, 
you know, he he's he he can bounce outside. He can run between the tackles. Um, he's, he's got great balance overall, avoiding being tackled early in the process. His average runs and in, 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 in size were, were long strides. He does have home run speed in the open field. Um, his tools are creating yardage standout during games when he was patient. And uh, you could see that he saw a hole and he was patient enough where he started hitting and try to make the big play. So he, he's very capable of excelling on all three downs. He could put him in the paint throughout the, his career, 78 uh, total touchdowns in five years. So in other words, when you get down to the goal line, He's a guy. He's got 16 career, um, had 16 career touchdowns of 44 plus yards. So he's excellent at reading cut timing. Um, you know, these guys get devalued. We only had one running back on the first round last year, and that was number 32 overall. I do think he's going to be a first round pick. Um, right now, I got him at 31. I do think Harris could be a first-round pick, but I don't think those teams are going to do it until we get to the 20s, 25 to 32. And that could be the Cardinals trading down. Um, but I, I just don't think there's too many other players. The quarterbacks are going to drive some other position players down. But I do think we'll have two running backs compared to maybe a year ago. Yeah, I think at number 16, drafting a running back is too high for me, even if you love him. But at 16, you want value, and I just don't know – especially how teams value running backs these days, unless you're going to turn the offense all on the running back and focus on him. I just don't see it with the Arizona Cardinals based off what they have already and what they're looking to do as far as the offense is concerned. So Travis Etienne closes out numbers 31 to 40 on Mike Jarecki's top 50 draft prospects. Let's count down or recap the most recent five. Kadarius Tony, Nico Collins, Richie Grant, Jackson Carmen, and Travis Etienne. Those were numbers 35 to 31. And again, we covered 31 to 40 here on this episode of Cardinals Cover 2. Next show, we will go from 21 to 30. And then I think those are becoming more familiar names that Cardinal fans are aware of and might more likely be in that range at either 16 or if the Cardinals should drop into the 20s and be that pick on April 29th. But again, I've enjoyed this so far, MJ, because it does give a lot of our listeners, and myself included, a little bit more of a broader sense of what the Cardinals might be looking at day one and day two. Keep in mind, on day two right now, they only had that one pick, and that's at number 49 overall. Yeah, and, and we're using NFL.com. Um, Lance Zerline, he's, he's done a really good job over the years writing the capsules, and they've added Chad Reader. Uh, Len Zerline's father was a longtime offensive line coach. Matter of fact, he is working on some of these draft years in Arizona, so maybe the Cardinals could have some intel. So quickly here, Lance ranked the position groups going into the draft. Number one, wide receiver. I mean, again, I don't know how many's going to go in the first round, but I could see a lot between the second and third round, just like a year ago. He says offensive tackle. Interior offensive lines three, edge rusher four, cornerback five, which is interesting because I thought it's more of a deeper class. Linebacker six, quarterback seventh. He has a quarterback seventh, and he says, I'd be willing to put this three quarterbacks from 20 up against the three quarterbacks from 2021. However, this drafts five potential first rounds. And he also has mentioned Kellen Mond, who teams could look for in the future, obviously in Kyle Trask, but he has this quarterback position seventh. And unfortunately, the safety eight, number eight, running back nine. He thinks there's a drop-off after the top two. He does mention Trey Sermon. He likes him out of Ohio State. A little bit different guy. Maybe we'll get to him. Tight end and then interior defensive line. Good thing the Cardinals went out and got J.J. Watt. All right. I'm glad you brought up the quarterbacks because I think this is fascinating. But, Bird Gang, hold on for a moment. If you haven't already, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. All right. This is amazing. We talk about the quarterback position every year because it is the most important position on the field. I'm sorry, Bertrand Berry. That's just the way it is. <laughs> Yet it is hard. Let me stress that. It is hard to find a solid franchise quarterback, even if you are drafting in the first round and have a top five pick. A couple of different stats, one that I saw and relayed to you over the weekend and another one, MJ, that you relayed back to me. 
We all talk about quarterbacks, but keep this in mind. ESPN's Jeremy Schapp over the weekend tweeted this. 44 quarterbacks have been selected either first, second, or third overall in the last 50 drafts. Only two of those 44 quarterbacks, Troy Aikman and Peyton Manning, won Super Bowls starting for the teams that drafted them. And that's an important distinction. You were drafted by a team who had a top three pick and you won a Super Bowl, started a Super Bowl for that team. So Eli Manning doesn't come into that. Yes, he was a top three pick, but he was not selected by the New York Giants. So it goes even deeper than that. Here's the stat that you shared with me, MJ. 30 quarterbacks drafted within the top five picks from 1990 to 2015. Only two of those 30 quarterbacks have won Super Bowls as starters, regardless of who they were drafted by, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. The only two starters who have won Super Bowls quarterbacks drafted in the top five picks. So, you know, we talk about what? The best quarterbacks of our generation, Manning, Brady, Breeze. Uh, You could throw someone else in there, but those three are kind of married together. Manning is the only one who was a first-round pick, number one overall. First overall pick. Breeze, second round. Brady, sixth round. So, and I get why teams do this. I, I totally understand it, but... There's always that quarterback. Maybe Josh Allen is the next one. He was the fifth of the five, I'm sorry, the fourth of the five quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson was fifth of that class. Yet who do we focus on these days? Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. So I'm just, you know, again, I hope, let's hope Kyler Murray, when we're having this discussion in 20 years, is the exception and not the rule. But I totally understand why we put so much emphasis on quarterback play. Yet based off these numbers, it does not signal to you that you are going to either A, win, or B, even get to the Super Bowl, let alone win it. And that's why uh, Ron Wolf would always say you take a quarterback every year. Of course, that doesn't bowl well with Aaron Rodgers when they're trying to win now. But, you know, when you get a franchise quarterback, you want to make sure you protect him. You want to make sure you're doing everything in your power to make sure he can succeed. And I think the Cardinals are doing that, obviously, with the addition of Rodney Hudson, bringing in A.J. Green. Um, but at the same time, though, you know, it's it's no guarantees. I mean, uh, a lot of money is invested just on, on just the evaluation of the quarterback. Their analytics, I'm sure they're deeper than we have. So, yeah, and, and it's interesting because, you know, they're talking about next year's class already and, you know, uh, compared to last year's class. And I always think, that, you know, we heard about Trevor Lawrence for a couple of years. And now we're going to see the fruits of the labor. But you just look at it, I mean. I, 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 when I look at it from a standpoint of everyone thinks the Niners have moved up for a quarterback and, you know, we can make a case about Mac Jones and um, Zach Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson, he doesn't have a lot of starts. He played at BYU, not the greatest competition, struggled against Coastal Carolina. Craig, would, would, would it be a surprise? Now, we shouldn't be surprised because, you know, I think we were surprised when DeAndre Hopkins was traded when the Cardinals signed J.J. Watt. You know, you've been around the league long enough to where, eh, connect the dots. Okay, it makes sense. Do you think the Niners would take a position player at number three? It would be a surprise in only this aspect because it has not been talked about. Yet, I understand that if you're talking best player available, if you think, if you're ranking all players in this draft class, I think the consensus is, is Trevor Lawrence is, is head and shoulders above everyone else. And he's Regard- earned it. He should be the number one player. And, and regardless of position. Yeah. But the second best player I've heard a lot of people say is Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. And now, the third? Do you move Chase. up? Jamar Chase. Yeah. Do, but if you're the 49ers, do you move up that high to get a position player's that you think, well, again, all it matters is if how that particular team feels and believes about a player. So we might say it's too steep a price to pay. If you think that's a Hall of Fame talent, and if you're moving up, you hope that's the case, then there is no 
price too large to pay for something like that. But I would be a surprise. I would personally, I'd be surprised because we're all thinking, you know, the top three picks are all going to be quarterbacks. And, you know, maybe the, the, the Falcons at number four looking to draft someone in Matt Ryan's heir apparent if they don't trade off the pick because there's been discussion that the Falcons are listening to offers to move out of number four. I just think the money they got involved in George Kittle, I don't know if you can – I know the Patriots went outside the top two uh, tight ends in football, but they were the worst tight end position since uh, the last year. If they don't take a quarterback, I think it would be Jamar Chase. You put him with Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's all, everything, well, Jimmy's fine with this. Okay, and, you know, we'll draft a quarterback for the future, and we're going to be all set up. Listen, the Niners roster right now is – is built to get back to the Super Bowl if they could stay healthy and get whether you like Garoppolo or not. Yes, he's going to turn the ball over, but defensively, they don't give up a ton of points. They could stop the run, they could put pressure on you. So you put Jamar Chase in that offense, they would be dangerous. And, and Kylie Pitts, uh, listen, I know they got Terry Fontenot. He's a new GM there, and he's already come out and said, we're going to draft a quarterback, we're going to draft a wide receiver. Julio Jones is still there. Matt Ryan, to me, is going to be Ryan Tannehill with Arthur Smith. They're going to run the ball. They signed Mike Davis. It wouldn't surprise me if they get a running back early in the second round, the guys we've talked about, maybe Javante Williams. I would take Pitts because what he did in that Tennessee offense, he creates space. And you look how uh, uh, Smith played, the tight end who got paid in New England. Look at um, some of the wide receivers. He is one of the better play callers, creating space for his players, and it's all pretty kind of the run game. So they're going to ride Mike Davis, but they will get a running back in that second round. So if I'm them, it's either Pitts or if they want to get protection or trade down because I'm not taking a quarterback there. Matt Ryan's under contract, and he doesn't get the credit. He lost the Super Bowl. You look at the, his completion percentage over the last 10 or 12 years, he's number one, number one. So not so fast. And I know they got a new head coach and a new GM, and these guys are going to call the shots because they got rid of, you know, um, um, Thomas Dimitrov. Rich McKay is still involved, but they're going to let these guys do their thing. But if they can get uh, Pitts and get a running back in the second round, the Falcons will be better off than trying to get the, the future because Arthur Blank has money. They'll go out and spend if they need to. A lot of people believe that the draft does start at number four, yet – we talked about being surprised that the 49ers went elsewhere at number three, talking about not drafting a quarterback. And that would be a tremendous smokescreen because <laughs> as we've heard of the last several days, Justin Fields is having a second pro day. Trey Lance is having a second pro day. And John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan are both expected to be at both of those pro days. Now, are you hoping to show up, be seen as an indication of what you want everyone to think as opposed to what you're going to do. Who knows? It's, you know, I have a hard time this time of year, MJ, yes. believing anything that I see read, said, or on social media. You're, you're a smart man. You've learned. I'm with you. I try to filter it out. You know, I, you know, I'll sample mocks, but I don't, I don't, I, I look at, you know, who, who are the top 15, 25, 30 players? And then you kind of figure it out. But yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it just, it's just, a, you know, Jimmy was fine with this. Like he's okay with, um, you know, wouldn't he, why wouldn't he force his way out? Even though, you know, clearly he isn't the best option right now. Hey, listen, if they, they want to take a quarterback there and plan for the future and I'm ready to move on, grab up more power to him. Like you said, it's, it, it's a position is hard to find, you, you, you know, um, you can, you can draft a guy in the first round and, you know, he doesn't pan out, but if you, you know, again, their, their biggest issue is if Garoppolo gets hurt, who's the backup quarterback? And they, they wanted to bring in a veteran guy. So all of a sudden, if you're a first round pick and a quarterback, is Lance going to see the field? Is Josh Rosen going to be the backup quarterback there? So it'd be interesting, but Kyle Shannon already come out and said, we don't have to hide this now. You know what I mean? Like before you probably would send your, number one scout or your director of uh, college scouting to go look at a prospect. They don't have to hide it now. They have options. Who goes first? We know that's Lawrence. Who goes second and third? So you don't have to hide it. But, man, it would be amazing if they win a, uh, either Pitts or Chase. And, again, I don't think Pitts because of how much you're paying Kittle. But you put Jamar Chase in that offense, wow. The noise, if you will, is only going to get louder as we get closer and closer to April 
29th. Hey, one quick note before we wrap up this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, as I see this, Fox Sports, Jay Glazer of Fox Sports is reporting that running back James Conner is visiting with the Cardinals. So as we talk about veteran running backs, he's certainly someone that is still available and still on the list. And yes, we know of his background, the former Pittsburgh Steelers running back. And of course, that automatically brings up the connection with James Saxon, the Cardinals running backs coach. So not saying it's going to happen. All Jay Glazer is reporting is that Connor is visiting. And that is something that we have been paying attention to as far as these running backs, these quote unquote veterans, a Todd Gurley, a, a Chris Thompson, a Jarek McKinnon, LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, someone to come in as a compliment, if you will, to Chase Edmonds. Connor, he's, he's got the measurables that you're looking for with that one-two punch with Chase Edmonds. He, he's dealt with some injuries, you know, over the last couple of years. Um, but obviously, he's, he's a fighter uh, coming back from cancer. Um, but you look at it, I mean, uh, the, it's, the fact that it's listed as a visit. Now, you reminded me earlier about Colt McCoy. It was a visit, and that was reported the week before, and he ended up signing. You know, coming off the injury, um, the Cardinals – Need, know they need to add a running back. This would this would allow them not to maybe take a running back in the second or third round of the draft. Now again, is it a one year deal? Chase's contract expires. You know what's his health, but he's a guy that can get that that the third and two and fourth and one where you don't have to, you know, have collar under center or try to move somebody around and do a direct snap to the running back. So he he fits the profile of what they're looking for, and I think Mark Ingram would have fit that profile. Mike Davis. Those guys obviously didn't want to wait. They signed with other teams, the Falcons, uh, with Mike Davis. So, yeah, I mean, I, it makes sense. But now the question is, okay, what's the physical look like? What's his asking price? Because at this point in time, he, he wants to get in an NFL camp. But I do like the fact that James Sexton, the running backs coach, has intel. Sean Cougar has intel. I'm sure there's another guy in that locker room that may have intel. So um, it's interesting because of the comp pick formula, do you want to sign a guy now? You want to wait after the draft? And I got to get in the weeds here. But some of these guys, I think they're concerned if the teams get to the draft and they draft a running back in the first three rounds, all of a sudden your leverage changes. So I uh, don't know his asking price. And, and, and again, you got to make sure you give him a physical. But I like the fact that they're kicking the tires. And it could be one of those signings, Craig. We get to the second round and the Cardinals take another player and we hear the Cardinals sign James Conner just so they can cover themselves when the weekend's over, so to speak. Yeah, some of these players, if you wait too long, you wait till after the draft, and all of a sudden that job is no longer open. Again, just a visit reported by Jay Glazer of Fox Sports. He knows his stuff. James Conner reportedly visiting with the Arizona Cardinals. We'll follow that and, of course, bring you all the news right here on Cardinals Cover 2. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, for for Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.